you are the podcast master. All I know is it's police week. It's national police week. And so this week I wanted to have on a friend of mine from law enforcement from Tulsa Police Department. As a matter of fact, his name is Chase Calhoun. You might recognize him from A&E's hit TV show, The First 48. Or, I mean, maybe if you've done some bad stuff around the Tulsa area, you might recognize him from that. Who knows? But um, really, really fun guy. Awesome very interesting human being. Hope you guys enjoy this episode of the podcast. If you enjoy the first 48, I know you're going to love talking a little bit about that and how it all went down with Tulsa Police Department. So anyways, shout out to all of the incredible men and women who serve and protect our communities, a part of our law enforcement. Shout out to my lovely wife for her 13 years of service in law enforcement. Crazy to say wife still almost a month and it's still crazy to hear that word but anyways uh chase is such a cool guy such a a a big-hearted guy that that genuinely cares about people and you see a positive side of law enforcement that i don't think the news shows nearly enough you realize that a lot of these people get into this job simply because they care about others and they want to help other people and chase really expresses that i think very well in this episode talks a little a little bit about everything so um i'm gonna have chase back on hopefully in the next few weeks and have another really lengthy conversation we sat and talked for hours after this podcast was over and had some really really good conversations so i want to know what you think um if you're out there and you're in law enforcement hit us up on the social media just so i can say thank you it's at Matt L. West. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, I want you to do that and tag us in screenshot when you're listening. Tag us. And if you think the episode is terrible, it's okay. Just tell me. But tag me and let me know so I know what you guys think of each of these episodes. Subscribe. Hit those ratings. Leave us a review. It's all so, so important in getting our reach out there and letting more people know about the podcast. So I appreciate all of you that have continued to do that. I appreciate all of you that have continued to listen, that are following us on social media. Uh, Megan is at mrs.megan.west, right? At mrs.megan.west. My buddy Chase, you can find him on Instagram at Chase. Calhoun 4. That's simple. You can also find savings on a cool pair of sunglasses that'll save your eyes. It's coming summertime. Sun's getting bright. You got to protect those eyes. I mean, it's it's how you see. You got to protect them, right? And if you're going to protect them, you got to look cool while you do it. So why not get the coolest glasses on the market? Bex. Bex sunglasses. B-E-X sunglasses.com. When you order, make sure you use the code MATT. We're going to save you a little bit of money, help you look cool. All you got to do, type in the code MATT when you purchase Beck's sunglasses. Also, a big shout out to WSM Auctioneers. If you're not following them, I want you to do that right now. Go to Instagram and follow at WSM underscore auctioneers. Log on to their website. You can find out all of the cool things they're doing. They do things all month long, but the big deal I want you to know about is the second Saturday of every month. They have a huge online auction. You can bid wherever you are. Doesn't matter um, where you live. You can jump online and bid. We've been doing it every month. And I just missed out on beautiful red Hellcat this past weekend. Ugh, I'm heartbroken. But it went to a really good owner, I'm sure. 
want to encourage you to check those those folks out. They are uh, amazing people, and you can find all kinds of deals at WSM underscore auctioneers, Beck sunglasses. If you're not already following the gym, do that as well at WestFit. Okay, we're going to save you some money when you use the code. What's the code? Matt West now. We're going to save you a little money when you buy from WestFit. Uh, it's one of those days, but it is one of those weeks. It is National Police Week. And again, thank you, thank you, thank you to all the men and women of our law enforcement, amazing human beings that sacrifice to uh, serve and protect all of us. God bless you guys. So I'm going to jump straight into one of my favorite law enforcement officers. Here we go with, I, I, I'm going to say star of the first 48, Detective Lieutenant Chase Calhoun from the Tulsa Police Department. Here we go. Happy National Police Week. Thanks. Uh, do, do you get a lot of that? Like, I'm just curious because, like, for me, I want to do something every day. Like, we had this entire office was full of all of our local officers yesterday. Um, Yeah, it was so cool. Like, all the guys from here in the city were just here, and we just kind of sat and visited. I mean, it was just, I don't know, man. I, I just, I don't know if you guys celebrate it like some of us regular civilians celebrate it. I would say... We're aware of it. It's one of those things that, you know, depending on what part of the country that you're living in and what city you're in, uh, it's brought to the forefront or the spotlight more so than in other places. Uh, I can tell you in my office this week, it hasn't been a topic. It's one of those things that I think most of the guys were like, oh, we forgot about that. Just because we're so busy, we're working cases that you just kind of lose sight of those things sometimes. I get the vibe that your office is pretty business oriented. It's it's actually very laid back. Really? Yeah, it's laid back. Good. So like this morning, um, I'll tell you this, this morning, I was up in the homicide office and we had a little challenge. And so we got a guy in there named Nate Schilling who's very thin. Nate's a skinny guy. Okay. Um, and another guy named Ronnie who's just super skinny, but he's an athlete. And there was some speculation last couple of weeks about who could eat the most donuts. So, so, so you talk about National you Police just Week. Dove into complete stereotype from back, and, in and the this 90s. is why because people like this time of the year because it is National Police Week. Yeah, people will, sometimes will come up to the divisions and detective division and bring donuts or cookies and things. So this debate started. We got the two skinny guys in the squad, and they're like, "Well, I can eat more donuts than you." No, I can eat more donuts than you. And so we're like, "Well, let's just let's just handle this. Let's see who can do it." So at nine a.m. this morning, there was a donut contest between the two skinny guys, and one of the guys. Eight, I kid you not, 24 donuts. Oh, my gosh. Nate Schilling ate 24 donuts, and it took him an hour. I love that you just blasted him, too. Like It took him one hour, but he ate 24. Ronnie did, Wait, I think, 13. Like, really? Are we just talking glazed donuts? We're talking donuts. about yeah, like daylight, like daylight donuts, the regular glazed oh, okay. He He was like, the first dozen was nothing. Then it slowed him down, but he got to about 20 oh. and was done, and the guys were like, no. See, I feel like I could eat a dozen pretty simple, like pretty mm, easy. No, it's a lot of hurts. sugar now, but yeah, it's a ton of sugar. It. I got a feeling you don't eat a lot of donuts. I try not to. I try not to feed into that stereotype. You 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 posted a picture the other day. First of all, I got a huge laugh of the little story you posted the other day where um, it was a whole crew of you guys, and then one guy in the middle that you pointed out was standing on his toes. I about died laughing, yeah. man. Hilarious. But yeah, you don't strike me as a guy that eats a lot of donuts because I look at all these photos and like you and the guys that I see you working with and everything, and they're all middle-aged, um, I'd say average build, 
like average of society now. And then all of a sudden, there's Chase. How tall are you? Six one, six two, somewhere. There's right there's Chase. Uh, well, I'm gonna go with six two because you're. I feel like you're a lot taller than I am. So there's Chase at six two, good looking, hair slicked back, built like a brick shit house, just like you stand out, dude. Okay, <laughs> let's be real. Uh, you're single, right? I am. Do you get a lot of attention? Like, if you show up somewhere, like, do you get attention from the females? Or like, oh, damn, you know, sorry, arrest me. You know, sometimes, but it's <laughs> but but it's uh, it's it, never the ones you want to. Yeah, it's never those. It's never the ones. That, yeah, you're not still, working with a whole bunch of hotties. Yeah, no, I'm not. I don't get invited to those parties. I get in, you know, <laughs> it's usually like death and destruction or bad things, and yeah. those aren't usually the girls that I'm trying to have dinner with. So. Not a whole lot of wifeys running around. Not a lot of wife scenes. material running around on my scenes. Yeah, I, I've always thought that. I was like, damn, man, like. I wonder, but but you work in you know are are you just homicide or so I wasn't I've been in homicide the last four years and then I promoted so I, I was got, gonna say congratulations you got a promotion and then another promotion so I got promoted out of homicide and the policy is once you promote you have to go back to patrol gotcha. so I've been out of patrol I've been in detectives for eight years got promoted and uh, had to go back to the field for a while and so I did that where I supervised a group of patrol officers uh, and I had to go back to night shift mm-hmm. so I did that for several months. And I say several months from August till March. And then I basically got a phone call and it was like, hey, there's an opening in our white collar crime financial crimes unit. And we need someone to come in and take over the lieutenant position. So I promoted lieutenant. Initially, I was like, you know, I don't know if I want to do this. I mean, I've worked last eight years uh, in detective division. I worked homicide, robbery and then sex crimes. And then prior to that. I was in the Special Investigations Division where I worked organized gang unit. So I just did organized crime, a lot of shootings, stabbings involving gangs, street gangs. So I was like, you know, I've done a lot of violent stuff, rapists. And yeah, and then to go from that to white collar, I was like, I don't know. So one of my mentors pulled me aside and was like, hey, you need to think about this. You've been running hard the last several years. Yeah. Why don't you go in there, supervise this white collar crime unit, get the hang of that. And then if you want to move over maybe one day to, you know, when robbery opens up or something, you can take over that unit. So I thought about it, and then I ended up saying, okay, yeah, I'll do it. And so I moved into that spot about a month ago. So now it's just white-collar crime, doing a lot of uh, you know, embezzlements and things like that. Um, but it, it kind of ties into a lot of other crimes. Right. So I'm still getting to work with my guys and my old buddies that you know, I ran around with in the other units. So it's, it kind of goes back to that, you know, bad people are always connected to other bad people, no matter what it is. I mean, yeah. uh, the stuff you were doing... To, like I hear that and I'm like ah oh, like I, I just I, I wouldn't be able to get it off of me it'd be I feel heavy all the time do, do you like take some of that home with you or is it, it I feel like maybe you've got to be wired to where you can leave work at work so it's I get that question a lot and I think early on in my career like when I was a rookie when I was new, yeah you'd go home and think about all the cool stuff and you think about those stories you're like man that was crazy right yeah because the reality is and what people don't understand or most people is that this job is a front row seat to the craziest show out there. I mean, yeah. every night, every evening, it's you're seeing crazy things, okay? And and a lot of it's sad. It's depressing. Mm-hmm. But then there's some fun times. So, you know, initially on in my career, you go home and you think about that. Uh, but as time went on, and uh, I just kind of compartmentalized it and yeah. didn't think about it as much, and I was able to separate life and work yeah and i think i've done a pretty good job overall you know i talk to megan a lot and and i i joke about she's just cold-hearted but she has a a unique ability to like you said you know just kind of compartmentalize things and and shut off certain emotions at time when she needs to and i think that 
I mean, like I said, I think you just have to be wired different to be in that field. Yeah, that and you, I mean, if you tried to carry everyone's burdens like that, no way. You wouldn't last long. Yeah. So you just have to be able to shut that off and look at it as evidence or a scene or even though it's a terrible, terrible thing to look at, think of it like that and not personalize it. So how long have you been in law enforcement? It'll be 14 years in August. Really? Yeah, with TPD, yeah. And Tulsa the whole time through? The whole time. Cool. And, and you started just on patrol? Or? Yeah, so a um, little bit about me. I grew up in Houston. That's, that's where I was going next. Yeah, so I'm okay. from Houston, born and raised. Uh, I, uh, my father, it's a funny story. My dad raised me and my sister. And my dad is originally from Oklahoma. But I hadn't visited Oklahoma. So my dad, Chickasaw Indian, super okay. proud Indian, uh, grew up dirt poor. He went to the Jones Academy. Uh, after that, he got in a lot of trouble. Was a teenager just running around being yeah. an knucklehead, and he had a choice. So at age, I think he was like sixteen. It was go to jail for fighting. He was getting a lot of fights, assaults, or go to the army because that was in nineteen sixty six, sixty seven, and Vietnam was kicking off. You know, Vietnam was in full swing. So he's in Oklahoma. He had an option, and uh, he's like, "Man, I'll go to the army. It's better than jail." Right. And I think the at that time it was common for the recruiters to come in to the courthouse and they would work out agreements. So he signed up by two years, which at that point was pretty, like you said, pretty common. I think a lot of people just kind of had to make that decision: either I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going down this path, or I'm gonna, I'm gonna better myself, go to the army. I think that was a pretty, you know universal choice for a lot of people it at was. that time. Yeah, yeah, and so he did that and had a. Uh, did uh, went went to the army and he tells you he told a pretty funny story where he he goes to meet with this recruiter and it was one of those deals where they're like hey uh, you can join us or you can go to jail and he's like okay well what job do you have what job can I do and they're like well what are you interested in and he goes man I think I want to be a pilot <laughs> and they laughed at him they're like you are a dumb Indian with no education you're not flying anything here's your options infantry or mechanic so he's like all right I'll go infantry and. He goes to the infantry, does a two-year contract, ends up spending 12 years active duty, loved the Army, uh, ended up going to the reserves, and then 1979 joined the Houston Police Department and spent 24 years there. He actually died on duty uh, March of 2004. He passed away on the job, uh, but he was super proud of the Army. Like the Army, he, my whole upbringing was like, hey, the Army's what saved me. It's what changed me. Uh, and so anyways, he raised me and my sister in Houston, uh, and I Graduated, went to college there, graduated from U of H. We started looking for jobs. It was either, for me, I was going to go to the military as an officer or get into law enforcement. And I looked at a couple of agencies. Tulsa was recruiting, and they were like, hey. Really? Yeah, they were like, you're Chickasaw. We're looking for Indian officers. We're looking for minorities. We're trying to diversify. And and it still is to this day. It was in 2007. Um, the largest, Tulsa PD is the largest municipal police department in the country that requires a four-year degree. So it's a big recruiting grounds for Fed. So they're like, hey, if you come here and give us a few years, you know, get your feet under you, learn some things, um, the Feds will snatch you up. And so a lot of people that I went through uh, the academy with and other officers that I've known have left and gone to, you know, ATF, DEA, FBI, and right. those agencies. So that's what interests. That's what drew me here initially. I was going to say, is that something you still want to do? No. Or? No. I, I toyed with that in 2010. Yeah. I went through the process with the Secret Service. I actually got a conditional job offer. It was going to send me to the East Coast, and I just – it wasn't working for me at the time. Yeah. So I stayed here and just kind of worked my way up. And um, yeah, I'll be here for a little while. I can totally see you doing security detail for governor or like one of the cool things, like with our job, we got to hang out with governor Noam in, in South Dakota and her head of security detail was just hanging out with us. And he, he loved his job. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, you could tell he was just, 
a guy that loved his job. But in, anyways, you you remind me of that same demeanor, that same kind of same kind of person. I think that uh, you know. I could talk politics. I'm not going to. But anyway, <laughs> I want to go back you. real quick. And you don't. You don't. We don't have to dive into it. But you said your dad actually passed on duty. Yeah. Was it a bad situation? I so mean, he he was on. He was at work, and he went out on a call. And uh, during that deal, he had actually had an aortic aneurysm, and so he just collapsed and uh, passed away there at the scene. Yeah. yeah. But that, that's incredible. That like at the end of the day, he passed. Helping other people, yeah. I just I think that's that's incredible. So so did you? I mean, obviously you grew up around it. That's where you kind of decided you wanted to to follow in his footsteps, going to you this know, field, or yeah, it it take one, a while. It was one of those deals because my dad was interesting. He wasn't like your your typical cop, if you will, like the stereotype. My dad was a rodeo guy, so I, okay. we grew up trail riding the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. We had horses. We had a he had a wagon where this group they had these organizations that would ride in from different parts of the city that kicked off the rodeo, mm-hmm. uh, different parts of the state rather. And uh, so he was really big into that. So growing up, my sister and I were always going to rodeos. We're going to, you know, I grew up in the Astrodome watching George Strait and seeing all those guys Lucky. and Garth and oh, it was so amazing. jealous. Yeah, no, it was it was great. See, and Garth, you know, get on the stage and then say, "Hey, I'm too far from the crowd," and he got on one of the bulls and That's or so on the, awesome. the the shoots, and uh, so it was really neat. But um, yeah, we were blessed in that way, and so he motivated me. Um, but I'll tell you this: it was one of those deals where he really liked the army, and so it was one of those deals where it was like, "Do you want to sit in an office?" And do an office job, or do you want to go out and drive fast sometimes? Yeah, you know, see some cool stuff, catch a couple bad guys, mm-hmm. and that's what interests me. Um, and I'll tell you, there's another thing that really stood out to me growing up, and, and I learned this pretty early on. It was, you know, you can go in the private sector, and make a lot of money, have a lot of really probably decent benefits, right? But when you do that, you're working to make someone else richer. You're working to make another man richer. And for me, it was like I'd rather make less money, have a lot more flexibility. And then help out my community and give back. Man, I'm so glad you said that because I say this all the time. I feel like we're put on this earth to glorify God, to be the best human we can be, and to help others. And those last two are a direct reflection of the the, the first part. So our best way to glorify God is to be the best version of ourselves and help other people. And I think that sometimes we get so sidetracked with being you know, focus on our goals and what we need to do to financially gain whatever it is we want to gain financially, that we forget sometimes the more important aspect is not just having the blinders on and looking around us and seeing where we can help and where other people can benefit from something we can do. And so I'm so glad you said that because at the end of the day, that's what all of you guys are doing. Right. I don't I, I don't care what the adrenaline rush is. I don't care mm-hmm. what department you're in. Everybody that's in law enforcement that you know does it for the right reasons is there to help other people. Sure, absolutely. And, and so that I mean, you you've got to take home like a, a sense of pride with that every day. Yeah, like I said, it's one of those deals where you know, at any point, you know, we're not forced. You're, you're not under a contract. You can walk away from this profession if you choose to. Right. And there's some guys that do, and they want to go to private sector and make more money, and that's fine if that's what they want to do. But personally, for me, like I said, it's one of those deals where it's. I get more uh, enjoyment as saying, you know what, I'm going to go out here and try to make a difference yeah. and help somebody every day. If I can help one guy out, one girl out, and, and it can be small, but it's just giving back a little bit. Uh, you know, I kind of look at it as tokens. You're building up all these tokens for good things in life, and the karma. more you give and the more you help, that get, that's that good karma. It's going to swing back and help you. Yeah, and and even if it doesn't, you can still sleep at the end of the day. But you still feel good about yourself. That's right, and, and you know that 
you helped somebody else's life get better. Yeah. How old were you when you went in? 24. So you had went to school? Yeah, so I graduated from University of Houston. Okay. Uh, went there four years, got out, um, contemplated Tulsa and another agency, Texas Highway Patrol. Kind of went through the process with both of them, and I chose Tulsa. I actually got a job offers from both and uh, came up here, and it's been good. Were you a good kid? Oh, was I a good kid? Define good kid. <laughs> you, how many times were you arrested? <laughs> I don't. I don't know that you should ask that question, Megan. Uh, Let's just say I might was, tell you my um, own business. I was a knucklehead, but really? it wasn't. It wasn't bad stuff. It yeah. was, um, yeah, like sneaking out, you know, at night. Me and my buddies drinking beers. At, Nothing you know, hurtful. No, no, we weren't stealing and things like that. No, it was sneaking out and hanging out with girls and drinking beer. And you know, I remember. At, gosh i don't know i was pretty young we were sneaking out at night and checking pickup trucks you know to to look for ice chests take beer out of people's <laughs> ice chests so we would go around at like i don't know we were probably like 15 going around at night and hey there's there's some bud lights in here we'd confiscate you know is what we call it i say we weren't stealing things. so you were you were you know investigating before we were you were even a cop we were making sure people weren't drinking too much yeah 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 <laughs> Yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, surely the statute of limitations on they're way on, gone. Yeah, yeah, otherwise we would have talked about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, no. So we got in a little mischief like that, just being kids and yeah. you know teenagers and just uh, knuckleheads. But uh, yeah, nothing, nothing serious. Good student, like through high school. You know what's funny? Uh, so in high school, I was bored. I was really bored in high school. I didn't take high school very serious. My grades were average. Mm-hmm. I didn't take it very serious. Um, go to college, same thing. First year, I'm just having fun. Wasn't too serious sophomore year my dad dies and then i got serious so after my dad died i locked down and uh, made the dean's list and graduated 3.1 gpa and just i I got serious after that really yeah yeah so i took it serious after that i'm the exact opposite high school pretty solid Mm -hmm. um college i went to uh, a junior college over in miami oklahoma and my first three semesters 4.0 student my last semester i didn't pass a class really I went, yeah, and, and then I ended up going you to school. Found the liquor store. No, I, I, I didn't. We, and we never went to the liquor store. We didn't have no money. We found friends that had whatever. Oh, okay. Um, my first three semesters, four Last semester didn't pass a class. Fast forward the next few years, I ended up spending six years in college, at four different colleges, and I got an associate's degree in agriculture. <laughs> hey, at least you walked away with something. I, I started so good, man. And then I just, I, I lost it. But I had never really, I had never, I was so goody two shoes in high school. Like I just had never really got out. I lived in a little town of 300 people. I didn't know what the real world felt like, you know? Yeah, see, I was the opposite. I grew up in a city yeah. of, you know, 5 million in the metro area or whatever it is. And yeah. now, and, uh, so in Houston, such a melting pot. It's so diverse. And yeah. So there's so many distractions and things to do. And uh, I, I, I had fun. I had yeah. fun growing up. But yeah, uh, yeah it took uh, it took like serious event for me to to kind of lock in. On yeah. That. Well, I, and that's good. I mean, I think we all have our eyes open for different reasons at different points in our life. I mean, I, I joke about kind of pissing my way through college, but it was in that hole trying to figure out what I'm doing and what I'm not going to do that I got forced to announce a bull ride and that turned into a career that, you know, I thought was super cool and I was passionate about it. I love the sport, but then I realized, man, I can, I can kind of have a positive impact on some people using this platform and doing what I do. And, and the older you get, you start to realize again, what's, what's really more important. Yeah. What are you looking at? 
I was just, I was just listening. Okay, I was just making sure you looked at me like like every once in a while she'll give me the eye and okay. I feel like like I'm in trouble, like I'm in being interrogated because I think she kind of has some of her old career filter over in our marriage now. Mm, all right. Yeah. But hey, by the way, is this weird sitting on that side of the table, no. me asking you the questions? It's not. No, I'm good. <laughs> I mean, it just feels good. Yeah. You uh, do you ever have any weird encounters like that? Anything just crazy? Where like just like at work? Like doing yeah at work. As far as what? I mean, because there's a lot of crazy. Yeah, I was going to say, probably all the time. <laughs> I mean, not not like bad crazy, but like just any funny, like that you just couldn't help but laugh. Oh, all the time. Really? Yeah, but I'm also one of those guys, I try to find humor in everything. You know, you can't take things too serious. That's good. Because it'll just eat you alive, like, yeah. you know, Megan was saying. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we see funny things all the time, and sometimes you just got to laugh about things. Okay, good. Because I, I know that, like, obviously watching the show, everything is pretty, pretty serious. So, yeah, the first 48 is pretty serious. And I'll tell you this, and, and you probably get this, but people will ask me all the time because they'll watch you know, an, a one-hour episode, which is probably like 35 minutes of actual right. footage. But that 35 minutes of footage, there was probably hundreds of hours filmed on that, right? And so they just kind of cut. Wait, you mean they don't just film for 48 hours and I know, isn't leave? that crazy? What? Yeah, yeah. I feel yeah. so lied to and betrayed. It's, yeah, you're deceptive, yeah. It's weird how yeah. TV works. It's funny. And it's what's even more funny is that when a new episode airs, most of those episodes were actually filmed. Like they started filming a year and a half to two years prior. Oh, really? Yeah, they're that far out. Really? Yeah, it takes a while because they have to have all the, the legality stuff done and family members sign off and things. And it takes a while, all the editing. How do they How do they approach you on a situation like that? I mean, do they just tell you, oh, by the way, hey, we're going to have some random cameras that are going to be following you. Do they come to you and talk to you guys about that? Like, like, what's the situation there? Cause yeah, so... I, because personally, like, if I'm in that position, I, I don't know that I'm... I, I don't know. What was it like? So when I went into Homicide, the show was already there. They were already, okay. so they were already filming Tulsa. And so, gotcha. just so you know, Tulsa, for the last several years... Uh, Tulsa has had one of the highest homicide rates in the nation per capita. Gotcha. Okay, so for yep. you know four hundred thousand people, averaging seventy five, eighty murders a year, if you do the math, it's actually a high percentage. Well, Tulsa actually has the highest solve rate in the United States as far as solving murders. Tulsa is number one in that. Has been for so many years for like any city over twenty thousand. That's awesome. So, so obviously, if you have a town of like five thousand, have one murder, they solve it, that doesn't count. Right. But cities over a certain pop population. Uh, so that's why the show actually came to Tulsa and really? contacted the city because they're like, you guys have a diverse unit. You guys are working interesting cases. You are getting a lot of cases and you're solving them. So we want to tag along and film. Huh. They did so, their homework. It yeah. makes for good TV when they can catch them. Right. Well, and I mean, at the end of the day, like whether it's reality TV or, you know, a movie, you want to see a crime outcome. solved you want to see the story have a happy ending or at least have some sort of closure mm -hmm. and so apparently Tulsa's really good at that we've been successful yeah the last six seven years at least it's been number one in the country for Man, solve rate that's that's so cool to me because like I, I don't think I realized that obviously I mean I didn't know that but now it makes me even more excited to just tell everybody thank you i mean because they're they're doing their job and not just doing their job but you guys are doing it at a high success rate which we is are. super impressive you working in that division what do you think is like is it what is it that makes it so successful 
So that's a good question, you know, because everyone wants to highlight the detectives and say, oh, these detectives are the best in the world. And, uh, that's not the case. We're, I think we're good. We're, we're efficient. I think we're good. We get good training. I've gone to some really cool schools. I actually got sent to a medical school in St. Louis. I We get good exposure. In a Wait, lot. For, oh, so to go do like training for like investigations? So, yeah, like, so part of my training for investigations, for example, like I've gone to Chicago, I've trained with Los Angeles Police Department, Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies, uh, I've gone to gang homicide investigation schools, and I've gone to uh, St. Louis University SLU's Medical School. So I went there for training for medical legal death investigations, which is a really, really cool course that they put on really? every year, year and a half. Uh, and it's just different deaths, just kind of just yeah. anything from blunt trauma to children death to aquatic deaths to arsons. So you get a lot of exposure. Mm-hmm. And then again, there's eight of us working 80 murders a year. And then on top of that, you know, 90 suicides a year. We work all the suicides also, all suspicious deaths. So we're doing, you know, almost 200 deaths a year, close to that. You're staying busy. Yeah, so we stay busy in that unit. But uh, yeah, so you're getting to answer your question. We do get training. I think that we're competent. uh, But I will say this. One thing that we have going for us in Tulsa that other cities don't have, like New Orleans, like St. Louis, is the community. So we do a really good job of working with the community. We do a really good job of working, you know, people like informants, uh, community leaders, community outreach groups. And oftentimes we get tips on our cases. You know, we may get a murder at two in the morning and run out of leads for, you know, 24 hours or so, run on that. And then a day or two later, somebody will call in and say, hey, I know you guys or I know this person in the community came to me and said this and that. You may want to look into it. So it's just developing and establishing relationships with people in the community that I think we do a really good job at that helps us solve cases. I will tell you this. The national solve rate for homicides uh, is about 66%. So about two out of three murders get solved. Cities like Los Angeles, or excuse me, New Orleans. And St. Louis, it's usually like anywhere from one out of four to one out of three get solved. So it's a lot lower. And if you look at why, they don't receive the community input or outreach uh, that we do, uh, that we receive in Tulsa. And what that tells me is a long line of good cops and good relationships built with the community and a lot of work put in to get to this point that the community trusts you guys and reaches out and has that relationship with you guys like it does. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, and and I can't speak for every police officer in the country, but I can tell you from my experience, you know, we, one of our deals is that, you know, not everybody needs to go to jail. Right. And so sometimes people like really good people just have a bad day or a bad night. Now, obviously, depending on what they've done, you, you, your hands are tied. However, I can't tell you how many times like I've pulled someone over and given them breaks or worked with them and, you know, cut them slack. And, yeah. and it comes back, not people all the time. Mistakes. Yeah, all the time. And people will say, hey, man, I remember you. You cut me that break that one time. Maybe I had a couple beers and I shouldn't have been at that bar or whatever, you know, had an argument. Uh, and sometimes, you know, I can tell you a cool story. I had a guy want to, uh, I gave a break to, and he was a really nice guy, an older gentleman. And about six, eight months later, I got a phone call out of the blue, not from him, from dispatch. And they were like, hey, this guy wants to talk to you. And I'm like, I don't even know who that is. So I call him and he's like, man, do you remember me? He's like, you really saved me that night. He's like, I was having a bad night. Me and my girlfriend broke up. I just was doing things I shouldn't have been doing. He's like, you made sure I got home safe and took care of me. He's like, man, I appreciate that. And he said, just so you know, he goes, um, my cousin reached out to me from Oklahoma City and was like, man, I need to stay with you. I need to come visit you. He goes, man, something just wasn't right. We're not that close. He goes, I started dating. He goes, man, my cousin's wanted for raping a child. Wow, And he's like, so I want to turn him over to you. 
He's like, I just want you took care of me. I saw how you treated right. me. So I want to give you my relative because of what he did to this kid. So we lined it up and we were, I was able to get this guy in custody without any issues. But again, it just goes, I planted that seed six, eight months prior, right, just right. treating this guy well. And this was a benefit that came back to, to help the, the community by getting yeah. this guy out of the street, off the streets. It's amazing how just a little bit of positivity can, can spread so deep and, and so big. Like you say that, that guy that night, I mean, not everybody sees those sides of situations, and that's unfortunate because there are so many positive. I mean, we talk about the news right now; everything is negative. Not just not just in law enforcement, everything is negative on the news. And it's like, let's go back to putting a show on that says, "Hey, look what happened that made everybody smile. Mm-hmm. Look what happened that helped people." And, and, and unfortunately, we just don't see that enough. Um, but I know it's out there. It's out there every day. Policemen, police women across the country, every hour, every thirty minutes are doing great things and they're helping people. But it's not sexy. It doesn't yeah, sell on TV. Right. It does. It's not lucrative. And and seeing a video of an assault or a fight or whatever mm-hmm. is way more sexy yeah. than you know helping the grandma across the street or buying little Sally. You know, giving her her lunch money because her parents aren't working or whatever. Yeah. You know, things like that happen all the time. Uh, but they're just not publicized. Since we're on that theme. Uh, I'm going to ask you something really, really hard hitting. How long does it take you to do your hair? <laughs> you know, it's probably about four minutes, three or four minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth it. I'm kidding. It doesn't take that long. <laughs> it doesn't take that long. Yeah. Bastard. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just so jealous. I'm sitting here staring at you like your hair and I'm, it's perfect. And mine's mine passed away years ago. No, your hair's fine. No, no. Don't, just don't do, just don't want to wear that. a ball cap. No, don't do that. Wait, look. No, Hey. It's, it's that, there's bad. a lot of knowledge up there. It, no, there really isn't. Ask my <laughs> wife. Like, there's a reason I talk for a living, brother, because oh. there ain't much else I'm doing. Uh, my dad always told me when I was a kid, I better make a living talking because I damn sure wasn't going to work for it. And Ouch. he was right. He was he was so right. Well, you're doing fine. Uh, we're, we're, we're getting by. You're de- I'm not going to complain at all, which is actually where we met. Uh, we were talking earlier. Like, we actually met at uh, a PBR. We did. A few years ago. The World Finals in Las Vegas, November of 2019. And you were with... I was with Dan. I don't even want to acknowledge that we both know this guy. <laughs> yeah. I've had him on here before. He's he's a freak, man. Vin Johns. Yeah, yeah. He's a freak. How do you... You guys, BGJ? Yeah, or BJJ? from too. Yeah. So yeah. I met him just in the gym prior to that. Yeah. And so long story short, I know he got into bull riding. I've always right. been interested in that. So we've talked about that and... Uh, just in past. And then so I introduced him to a producer uh, that I know involved in TV. And, okay. and this producer's filmed on The First 48. She's filmed on The Deadliest Catch and then Naked and Afraid. And basically, this producer's super interested in bull riding. Stuff. I want to go on that show. Which one? Naked, Naked and, afraid? and Afraid, yeah. Oh, Lord. You need to talk I mean, to her first. But I just want to go to like hold a camera or something to watch. <laughs> oh, you don't want to be actually naked? Oh, hell no. Oh, okay. I don't want to be naked in my say, own house. Okay. Much okay. Less. All right. All right. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> But so, yeah, I introduced them, and basically um, the idea came up of him trying to do this um, this comeback, if you will, to qualify yeah. for the PBR. Yep. And so that's actually yeah, that's where I met you guys was uh, during that time. And and he got, he got significantly close a, a number of times to the point where he actually got on the televised tour um, last year during COVID. He ended up coming and riding in a few of the – the UTB events. He he's just a he's a freak, and you can't. It's hard to believe that he's almost fifty. I know he because you don't when you're hanging around him, you don't think uh-uh. he's fifty. Uh-uh. You don't, he acts like he's seventeen. I was going to say he definitely doesn't act like yeah. he's fifty. 
He he. Let me tell you, he's a freak. He's a beast. Yeah. I mean, the guy's in phenomenal shape, and his engine is just—it never ends. And he's crazy, but he's got a good heart. He's got a great heart. He he really does. He's a really good person. Yep. And, and I think a lot of lot of a lot of people just see the wild, crazy, fun times, but they don't realize like like he's he's that same type of guy. Like he'll drop everything he's doing to come help somebody if he if he can. Yeah. You know. Um. Is is he any good? At jujitsu, he's very good. I know. Like, I yeah, just no, wanted he, to see if you. Yeah, no, he's good. He's very good. He's very talented. Uh, and he did some stand up for a while, and so he's on the mats. He's a bulldog. But like I said, that's his. Like I said, Vin can go out and, and have a good time all night, and then he'll be on the mats at you know eight or nine in the morning, and he he just rolls guys up. He's a freak. He never like never stops. He barely shuts down. Closes his eyes just to kind of plug in real quick, recharge, and then he's back at it. Yeah. So we were. It's been a while, but we went to I went to watch him ride a bull in uh, Claremore, and it was right before COVID hit. It was like around November. It was actually right after the PBR deal. Okay, and man, just watching him get in that element it was fun. Just yeah. watching him do that because I mean, he loves that stuff. Isn't that isn't that cool? Like because I think a lot of times we we know people as of who they are, mm-hmm. and then to see them in their jobs. I know I get it all the time. It's like people that know me from here, from here at the gym, or in real life, and then they go to work, and it's like, wait, that's not the same guy. I I feel like. I feel like that's when we see you on TV. It's like you're you're very business mode, very into the moment, and things like that. Like I just think it's cool to see people in their element. You do, and it's one of those things that you know, however you want to look at. But like for our show, it's serious business, and so you you see the serious side of us. We don't get to laugh and joke around because it's inappropriate, right? Yeah, you know. And I've received messages from people. Like I remember there was one episode where one of us made a comment about. uh, We said, "Man, that guy got lit up," And, and some people got really upset by that. But, you know, that was just us being our, ourselves right. talking. And they were like, people were like, how dare you say that? That's a victim. And we're like, oh, okay, I get it. But you got to understand, like, we talk our way and, and it wasn't we, meant to be disrespectful. Yeah. yeah, it, it yeah. wasn't, it was a figure of speech and it wasn't meant to be. So, and it's not offensive. Like, at the end of the day, we have, we have dumbed ourselves down as a society. So, and, and I'm speaking for me, of course. Um, but we have put ourselves in a position as a society to look for opportunities to get offended instead of just living life in a reality that, you know, it is what it is. We all say things, period. Okay. That's part of life. Don't hone in or, or zoom in on one thing just because you're looking for a reason to be pissed off. Yeah. I, and I can't even imagine the, the microscope you guys have to think about. Yeah. It's it's just it's insane to me, but I'm also going through some stuff right now. Some emails where somebody got a little uh, bitter because of some things I said and called me a misogynist and and a sexist and and thankfully the people the people that got the email quickly responded and said you know couldn't be further from the truth. But it's like and, and when you go back and you look at the video where they're talking about it, it's 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 asinine like it it completely makes no sense but people are just always looking for something no Some they people. are you know i had one recently i posted on my instagram story and and i try to keep a lot of my stuff private for right. personal life but uh, i posted a picture of my daughter she's growing and i'm a single dad and i'm i'm looking at her and i'm like gosh i can't believe how big you're getting and she's a pretty girl and i posted a picture of her and i on there and I, on my story and it said something to the effect of she's going to be a heartbreaker or something yeah. and somebody reached out to me and was like how dare you say that? 
hearts are delicate. You shouldn't joke around about a oh woman being a heart. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, oh this is serious. Gosh. And I laughed. And so I responded. I said, listen, it was a figure of speech. I was just saying, she's pretty, like, boys are already coming around. Yeah. Like, it right. was a joke. And then I, and she's like, no, I, so she responded back and she goes, I get that. She goes, but hearts are delicate and we need more non heartbreakers in this world. And I said, hey, lady, have a great day. I, I wish you a great day. I said, don't take things too serious. But I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. 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 We need more people that just, Relax. Enjoy life. Just relax a yeah, little. Just yeah. relax, man. <laughs> Chill out. Yeah. Go sit at your house and have a beer or whatever you need to do to just relax. I, I'm. Don't get me started. Yeah. She laughs because she like we had this conversation earlier today, and I just, I got a little a little heated because it just it's frustrating because they put me in a light that is could not be further from the truth. Anyways, held your daughter. Thirteen. Thirteen. Oh my Almost. Gosh. She's I'll tell you that she's twelve. She's getting ready to be thirteen. And then my youngest is about to be five. So Man. Yeah, I know. So I'm I got two girls, so it's gonna I was just getting ready to say your life you you haven't even hit the difficult part of life yet. So my oldest is starting to get a little bumpy, you know? Yeah. She's it's she's turning to a young lady, getting a little mouthy. Almost and, teenager. I yeah, can't even yeah. imagine being an almost thirteen year old in the world right now. Yeah, yeah because for you it was several Woo! decades ago. Shut up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Almost thirteen. That's so crazy. And five. Yeah. How how hard <laughs> is it? It's uh, you know it's actually there's a lot harder things in life and a lot of other Agreed. people have it Agreed. way way worse Agreed. than I do. I'm pretty fortunate, so it's not that hard. It's just making adjustments. I, for me, I and I'm, I'll be completely honest, like. I almost break down in tears every week when I leave to go on the road and have to leave my Dobermans. Like, yeah, I can't imagine. But I also can't imagine showing up when they get to that age where they start dating. Are you going to be the dad that's like sitting there just cleaning guns? Or? You know, I probably won't clean guns. I don't. I don't know what I'll do, but uh, I'll have something planned by then. It's it's funny now because she does the whole cheer thing, and so her mom was a cheerleader, and so we. Um, I go to the games and she's out there and, and I see the little football players and they all meet up for their pictures. And so then I hear this one little football kid and he's like, which one's your girlfriend? They name my daughter. So I'm just like, Oh, okay. So I'm on it. So I'm watching him and you know, always working. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm scoping him out watching his mannerisms. And so, uh, then my, after the game, they take a picture together. So, you know, I'm like, Hey, uh, so on the drive home, I'm like, so, uh, so what's, what's up with that guy? Nothing, nothing, dad, nothing, you know? And so, <laughs> He's just a friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, no, mm -hmm. let's let's talk about this. <laughs> Do you know what Dad does for a living? Yeah, I was like, let's let's have this conversation. No, I'm good, Dad. I said, no, we're we're gonna talk about this. So, but I was soft. I was I was gentle. I was gonna ask, are you? No, good? I'm super soft. Yeah, are you? Yeah, I feel like just melt. The yeah, yeah. I'm one of those. It's like, no, we're gonna do this, and it's like, but Dad, please, can I? Have okay, yeah, yeah. I'm. I think if if we ever have kids, I think that's how I'll be too. She'll have to be the disciplinarian. And it's hard with little girls because I, they're just mm. that smile. And when they say daddy, it's just like, ugh. Yeah. It's All over. Right, just here. Here's my wallet. Just yeah. Go. yeah. Just there's <laughs> the I'm already that way yeah. with her. Like, I, but she don't need my wallet because there's no money in it. She, I, I haven't seen cash in two years. Yeah. She, she just goes straight to it. It just, everything goes to her. Man, that's crazy. A five year old and a 13 year old. Yeah. But life's good. Life's great. Good. Yeah. It's really good right now. Good. So. They, I mean, do you have to go through that whole public school, private school? Do you ever think about that? Yeah. I mean, kind of back and forth. Um, right now, my oldest is doing 
pretty well. She's in a good school system, got a good, good. friends, and she's busy. I mean, literally, we're good. talking four to four nights a week. She's in activities, yeah, that's awesome. so it's dance, cheer, gymnastics, yeah. tumbling. Um, she just finished show choir. She didn't really like that, so we're moving on to other things. And I mean, yeah. she's done swimming. She's done other things. So uh, keeping them busy and cool. and having fun and. Just my thing is try everything and find out what you like and roll with it. If you don't That's like awesome. it, at least you don't have to do it, but just just try it. You know, I, I love that because we see a lot of parents in, in the world of Western sports that are very adamant about pushing their kids to do something they tried to do and maybe they weren't successful. And it's a lot of that living vicariously through, through your kids. And, and man, that makes me, it, it upsets me. I don't like it either, and it puts a lot of stress on them. And you know, then you're forcing the kid, this kid, you know, the child feels some obligation to appease their parent, and it's just, it's just not healthy. I don't think it puts unneeded strains on a relationship. Mm. I mean, I, I think God, my parents supported me no matter what I was, even when I was being an idiot and not going to class. They were like, okay, if if you're serious this semester, we're going to try to help you. Um, I decided to go chase announcing. When somebody told me, yeah, you should do this, I was like, okay. They they helped support me. They they supported me everything along the way, whether it was baseball, whether it was uh, announcing, if it was college. Like, I never, they never told me no. Yeah. Until I, until I bought a gym. And then they were like, well, you're a dumbass. <laughs> That's all you, bud. Yeah. Then they were like, yeah, you're on your own. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it, but it worked out, but they supported me. And I think that that's important. Not there. And there's a difference between supporting and like pushing. Right. Uh, listen to me. I'm not a dad. No, it's just like I said, you hit it on the head, but it's one of those deals where I tell her, I'm like, just try it and see what you like. Yeah. If you like it, stick with it. If you don't, she really likes cheer. And I think that's something that, you know, she can bond with her mom with the whole cheer thing. And she mm-hmm. does that every year. But uh, I, I tell her all the time, you know, do you want to try volleyball? Do you want to try softball? You know, just try whatever you want. And if you like it, we'll roll with it. If you don't, we don't have to do it again. What do you think she's going to be when she grows up? As far as occupation? Yeah. Uh, you know, she she talks about teachers. She talks about. Really? Yeah. She's really into that kind of right now, wanting to do that. Um, that's a good that's question. So cool. Yeah. That's Who knows? So, I well, mean, I mean, like honestly, that to me tells me that that the heart is genetic, and that it, you know, being a good human and wanting to help other people passes from generation to generation. I hope so because I'll tell you, she's she's talked about that. She's talked about um, like having like a dance studio, things like that. Yeah. You know, things that she likes, yep. and and I tell her, you can do whatever you want in this that's, world. That's you awesome. can do whatever you want. You just mm-hmm. you got to put your mind to it. We need more of that. Mm-hmm. We need we need more people realizing that because. I mean, I never thought when I was severely overweight, I would own a gym someday. And if somebody would have told me that, I, I might have gotten gear a little faster. But we need more positive. Yeah. Um, Man, it's crazy. I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, I'm, I'm talking to a guy that obviously is intimidating <laughs> size-wise. No. Really good looking. Single dad. Man, I want to go through your DMs. <laughs> You know, you know that's how we met, right? No, t- I wanted. You know, I was going to ask you, and, I, and I'm glad I can ask. We did now. a podcast about it, but it's been a long time ago. We actually met. Uh, do you want to? You want to divulge, or you want me to? Uh, I got it. She slid into my DMs. It's that simple. True. Okay, she slid. <laughs> What'd you say? I said it's true. It is. It is. Um, yeah. <laughs> Randomly. That sounds terrible. Matt, I, I was following Matt for whatever reason. I don't even, well, because I thought he was dating somebody else. Yeah, she thought I was dating this other chick. And when she was I, like, oh. Yeah, when I found out he wasn't, he had posted like a question thing in his story. 
And I, so I asked him a question, and that is how we started talking. So it wasn't she threw the bait out there. It wasn't was just, like a real slid in. He was just testing DMs. the waters. It was one of those like he was like, "Oh, ask me questions," and so I did, and that's how we started talking. Nice. So we actually so talked. Good for months. things, no flirting, do come from Instagram DMs. So you yeah, know. yeah, no, I get a couple. I've had a couple interesting ones. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I bet. I'm sure. I bet Megan still Megan gets some weird ones that are like, "Hey, you know, you need a sugar mama." Wait, what? Yeah, like, yeah that's strange. Social media is so weird. <laughs> so weird. So so stinking weird. What do you like? What's your workout plan? Like, so, do, you, do you get to hit the gym a lot? Man, I'll go. So jujitsu was like really mm-hmm. big for me for a while there. And then COVID hit. And yeah. so I took a step back because I was like, I don't really want to roll around with a bunch of sweaty guys and breathing yeah. on each other. Um, so I'm starting to, the goal is to get back into that. But right now it's it's uh, cycling and then weights. And so I've got a bike. I got, It's a funny story. So there's guys that I worked with in Homicide. Mm-hmm. And a few of us got together. And I when I was in robbery several years back, I bought a road bike and I was like, man, I just, yeah. I'm tired of jogging. I'm tired of running. I want to do something different. So I started riding. Hard on the knees, man. Man, I, it's hard on your knees, but cycling is, it was way more fun than I ever expected. And I'm not going to win any races. I'm not doing any Tour right. de France or anything. But it was fun to get on that bike and ride for two hours and listen to my music and just not think about anything, right? So uh, some of the guys in Homicide got it. And next thing I knew, there's like six of us had bikes. And man, we were riding like, to Jinx, to Skytook, I mean, all these places. And we did one the other day. We actually rode from downtown Tulsa to Skytook and back. It's like 30, 31 miles. But really? Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, just kind of building up. And so just, you know, incorporating that with a little jogging, cardio, and then um, mostly just kind of weight stuff, uh, yeah. kind of high intensity. I'm not a big CrossFit guy, but I may yeah. take some little CrossFit things. But uh, basically, it's, I listen to my body and how I feel. And when I wake up, I look in the mirror and say, I want to do this or that. It's different. I I work out to try to look better. You still have to stay functional. I mean, in your line of work, you still have to be mobile. You still have to be agile. Yeah. I mean, because you never know, right? Right. Absolutely. And I'll tell you one of my biggest pet peeves uh, about my occupation, Mm -hmm. and and this isn't private. Everyone at work knows this. Right. I, I don't like overweight law enforcement officers. It is a pet peeve of mine. It drives me nuts. And so my goal is to never be one of those guys mm-hmm. and to try to help, especially some of these younger guys who are still willing to listen yeah. and try to get them motivated to do things. Even guys I'm in the homicide unit that are older than I am, because I was the youngest guy in the unit, uh, just getting them out on the bike and let, watching them drop 20, 30 pounds. Like one Isn't guy lost cool? 40 pounds. Yeah, seriously. Uh- I, I say this all the time. People laugh because we'll post pictures in the gym or whatever. I don't care. Your opinion means nothing to me. What matters to me is the the one or two people that'll slide in the DMs and say, hey, you know, you helped me get motivated today to get back in the gym. Or, you know, I listened to your story from where you started and where you are today, and it, and it made me get motivated. And I've lost 40 or 50 pounds since then. But to your point, it's like you look around and different, not not – law enforcement but like like first responders sometimes it's like i wonder about some of those people that aren't as healthy as i would like them to be and if i ever get into a situation where i'm like how do you help me right. you know what i mean and and that that's scary to me to think about it's like okay how are you going to help my loved one if you have a hard time you know running across the room it's it's going to be difficult and it's one of those deals that you start to become a liability uh, not Mm -hmm. only for the community but for that agency right so yeah i'm pretty big on that and and it's funny because every agency is different like every agency has their different requirements 
you know, and not to make excuses, but, you know, especially some of these smaller agencies, I'll get messages from those guys about like investigative stuff or techniques or suggestions. Yeah. It's not uncommon. They'll reach out and say, hey, I work in this city, in this state. We have this murder. Would you be interested in talking to me about it? Yeah, absolutely. What can I do to potentially help you guys? Yeah. And you get to know some of these folks and you look at them and you're like, man, you know, this guy's 30, I don't know, eight, 39 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, he's 300 pounds. How did he get this place? And right. not making excuses, but it's just prioritizing things in life and, you know, sitting around drinking sodas all day and cheeseburgers and, uh, you know, sitting in a police car for eight or 10 hours a day is not healthy for you. Well, and we, we had this conversation, I think on the last episode of the podcast, you know, you, you have to make it a priority. Health has to be a priority. Like we travel, we fly all the time. Sometimes you fly all night, you don't get to sleep and then it's up and you got to get to work meetings and things the next day. When you find that window, you know, whether you, you, yeah, you cut into your sleep time. Okay, you didn't get eight hours of sleep, but you got six and a half, right. and you got a workout in. Or you know, you got in at midnight, but you still get up at six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning to get a workout in. You know, I know I'm going to land in Montana at about one a.m. Mm. tomorrow morning or Friday morning, and I know that my alarm will be set for six thirty. And I'm going to try to be in the gym by seven. I will make that a priority because I, I feel better about it. Yeah, you you have to. And I get it. After the 12, 14, 16 hour shifts, the last thing someone wants to do is take the uniform off and go to the gym just to be back to work in four hours. But maybe not, you don't have to go to work out, but maybe not go to McDonald's on the way home. You know, little choices, you know, to result in bigger, um, you know, so you're setting yourself up in the future and just little, little steps like that could help. Yeah. Yeah. Not just in law enforcement. That's no. in, that's in, in life. life that's everything. That's everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're out there and you're thinking, man, you know, I just don't have time. Bullshit. You've got time. You got to make the time. Figure it out. It has to be a priority. Choices. Yeah. It's got to be a priority. And like now in my position as a supervisor, I encourage mm-hmm. my detectives go work out on duty. I tell them, you're allowed to work out on duty. Go in there and knock out and bang out an hour. Go in there and get on the treadmill. I don't care. Even if you're just walking for 20 or 30 minutes, that's better than you yeah. doing zero. I love that. That's so just so go, awesome. just get the heart rate up. I don't, if you want to switch clothes, go for it. I don't care, but I encourage them to, because at the end of the day, you know, this life we live is short. Yeah. You have to be in the best shape, not only physically, but mentally for your family, mm-hmm. your kids, everyone else, the community. So you got to take care of yourself. And people are going to say, well, you know, they shouldn't be using work time. Like, like I have some, some firefighters that, that come here while they're on shift. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll drive their truck here. They'll come in, they'll get a workout. They've got a radio with them the entire time. We've had cops that would do that same thing here. Cause, um, you know, a small community, you, you find time when you can get it. And we had people that were pissed off because they drove a company car here to work out or they were on duty when they were working out. Look, bottom line is, would you rather them be sitting in a car doing nothing because it's not a, a huge business time? I mean, like they're not busy. Or would you rather them be in here making themselves better sure. to better help you in the future? And it's like, to us, that's a no-brainer. No, I agree. And so I can only speak for Tulsa, but the Tulsa Police Department, we it's actually, we have a contract. And so our mm-hmm. contract allows us, you know, depending on what schedule you're on, eight or 10-hour shift, you get a lunch break or dinner break, mm-hmm. and you get a workout break. And so it's that's actually- so cool. So granted, if you take, it's basically, essentially you're getting an hour, okay, mm-hmm. for everything. So you can go- eat on the go and not use it, or you can work out for half an hour to 45 minutes, but you're designated that slot whenever you want to take it on a shift. Now, obviously if there's emergencies going off and there's, you know, high priority calls, you're just not going to be able to do it that day. But most days, like my detectives, for example, they can go down there and do it. And there's no excuse not to. Well, and nobody's ever going to ignore a call. 
Like if a call comes in and you're in the middle of running however many miles or whatever, you're going to stop and go. It's that simple. And we have gyms at all of our divisions. That's the other thing. So like our patrol divisions, our detective division, we have gyms. They're not high-end gyms. I mean, we have a couple really nice ones on the department, like at the academy. But um, like at detective division, there's actually – it's a decent little gym. But yeah, guys will go in there. uh, The patrol divisions, they can go in there, work out. And like you said, they'll be on the treadmill or the road machine. And if they put out an armed robbery or shooting, man, they'll get up, put their stuff on, and they go to it. That's awesome, man. That's that's so cool. Like I'm just – I'm so – um, uh, excited because like we are local law enforcement. They all, they have keys. They work out for free whenever they want to nice. like come in, do it. I, I want, I want everyone working in those positions to feel as prepared as they possibly can yeah. for it, for everything. And that says a lot about you to allow people in the community like that, you yeah, know, first well, responders to come in and do it. That's or just, I just want people to see cop cars in front of my gym all the time. And, <laughs> well, it's, and a, it's a double, it's, it's, it's a win a, for everyone. Yeah. It's a give no, it, But I mean, it, that's that's the reason we opened this place because we cared about people and we wanted people to get better. Yeah, no, same sure. reason you got into your job. Yeah, you know you want to help people. What else? Anything else you want to wrap about before we take this thing home? No, I'm just thinking. Do you guys have any questions um, as far as anything specific? I mean, I'm a question asker. I, I actually I do. I want to ask this because I've wondered this not just watching first forty eight, but watching everything. Do you ever sit down? Has anybody ever recognized you from the show that like you've been talking to or putting in cuffs or anything like that? Not just the normal civilian, but in the middle of work. Has anybody went, oh, I've seen you on, on yeah, TV. It happens all the time. Really? Yeah, yeah all the time. Um, or, and I'll tell you, the show has been beneficial in some some aspects right. where I've gone out to the community and, and knocked on doors and talked to people and they're like, hey man, I've seen you on TV. Yeah. I remember you. Yeah, you're cool. Or I remember you, how you treated that one guy. Right. Yeah, here's my number. Call me. They may not talk to me right there in front of an right. audience, right. but we can exchange numbers and talk offline later. And so, um, yeah, you know, I was in downtown. I went out. A buddy of mine, he's been deployed uh, a lot in the last few years. Mm-hmm. So he comes to Tulsa to visit last, was it two weekends ago? We went out downtown and we were hanging out, having a good time, walking down the street. And uh, there's a guy standing there on the corner and he recognized me. And he was like, man, I know you. He's like, you arrested me. He's like, you sent me to prison like eight years ago. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, what's your name? He tells me. So we end up sitting there having a conversation by the end. Because at first he was kind of, you know, like, yeah. he was a little chest yeah. out. By the end of the conversation, he gave me his number. He, I gave him my desk line. So like the following week, he calls me. Hey, man, I was just checking in, man, you know. And and so, you know, it's just That's funny. awesome. It's just kind of funny. so cool, man. It's, it's all about how you just look at things and go about it, you know. And, and I told him, I said, it's nothing personal. But I said, you, what you're doing is wrong. Yeah, and so that, it's that simple. When you break the rules, there are consequences. Period. Right? Yes. What were you going to say a minute ago? Oh, I can ask questions all day. I mean, uh, come on, just bring. <laughs> come on. She I, she's very much. She when, very much misses her job. When Matt and I first met, like I swear, the whole conversation was me asking him questions all the time, and I would be like, "So I have a question." He'd be like, "Of course you do." Like just because, like I'm constantly like, I want to, I want to figure it out. I want to learn. I want to know. And, and I'm so, not a talker. No. Like when when I when I get away from a microphone, I can I could drive 14 hours and not say a word to anybody. I'm really? good with it. Yeah, I just. I, I grew up super shy and really reserved and introverted, and so like talking's not really my thing, unless it's something like this, you <laughs> know, work or on the podcast. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you think the show's been beneficial? 
for the most part. Yeah, I think beneficial. I think it shows us solving cases. It shows us helping people getting out there in the community and doing what we need to do. Uh, I will say that they don't show everything. Right. And some of it they can't because whether right. it's like investigative tactics, techniques, or it's they have to show they can't show certain conversations we're having with people based off like security uh, concerns for their safety and things. But a lot of people will ask me, well, man, how did you know this and that just in that short time? And I'm like, well, there's yeah. many more hours of the investigation that you guys just weren't privileged. Yeah, it took us six days to get that one little nugget. That Is you it saw. still going? Is it still filming? Yeah. So they sign a contract every spring and they've been here now several years. I'm thinking six years or so. Don't get her started. She'll, she, she loves, <laughs> loves this type of stuff. Oh no, it's, it's still here. They're still filming. They just renewed their contract. So, uh, yeah, they're good to go. Is it, um, is it the same crew like every season, like film crew and stuff? Like, so the film crew is the we're they're based out of New York City. The crew and so the actual producers, the guys and girls that have the cameras. Uh, a lot of times they rotate them out and bring in other individuals. However, right now I think the show's in only like three or four cities, and our crew has been with us. We have the same two to three people that have been with us for the last several years oh that's cool yeah and so we they're like family i mean yeah. they're, they're embedded with us the homicide unit every day they're in the office they have their own desk they go out every time we go out on a case they're with us they're we have a mic on they're filming us so do they have to go to any kind of special training to hang with you guys i don't know about special like training. police training or anything like that like not police training so they all have their education and their credentials for that and then when they the company signed a contract with the tulsa uh, there was a list of expectations and rules for them, mm-hmm. and most of it's common sense, right. you know. But they get out with us on the scene, and typically when we arrive on the scene, the scene has kind of gone stale in terms of threats most of the time, and so you don't have that, you know, that concern for uh, their safety at that moment. Uh, but no, it's it's pretty common sense stuff. And like I said, there's expectations, and they abide by them. That's very interesting. You, uh... We can be honest. I ran. I ran out of here real quick. I know quick. he's I, a lot I had, of breath. <laughs> had business to tend to. I got to catch my breath. No, I want to go back. I, I want to go back to what we were talking about a minute ago because uh, talking about the show and you know how it's gotten hugely successful, um, hugely popular. Do you ever see yourself going in the in the role of sticks, or do you just want to keep doing what you're doing? No, I'm not. Uh, I'll be honest. I'm not. Not a TV guy. Yeah, no, because what happened was when I went into homicide, I was actually reluctant about going because of the show initially. Really? Yeah. yeah initially, I didn't want to do it. I really went back and forth. I was uh, a supervisor asked me, "Hey, why don't you put it for homicide?" When the opening happened, I said, "You know, I really don't want to be on TV. I don't want the camera. It's not yeah. my thing." And after talking to several people and, and kind of understanding the process and the editing process, and if there's things that I don't want on there, um, yeah. you know, so. Um, I agreed to it and uh, signed off on it, but no, I'm not really. That's not me. I'm not trying to. Yeah. I'm not trying to get famous. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just trying to solve some cases, have a good time, and and just enjoy life. What's your escape? Like what? Like what's your go to? What do you do to just cut loose, relax? Music, music, yeah. cycling, getting in the gym with the guys, uh, and getting away from Tulsa. Really, yeah. like going out of town. Uh, just like I'm leaving tomorrow to go to Arizona, just to get away and hike uh, with a friend, and so just. Just yeah. those outlets and good company and, and music's a big part of my life. I love just uh, getting away, being outside. Get yeah. me outside, and I'm good. Like, What's give on me your a cycling playlist? That's exactly what I was going to say. I'll tell you, I got all kinds of things. Like I'm kind of a Cody Jinx junkie. Okay. I listen to a lot of Cody Jinx. Yeah. Um, I do. I listen to uh, David Goggins uh, as far as uh, just talking 
just his mm-hmm. motivation. Because you know, I can have one of those days where I'm just feeling kind of blah. Yeah. And once I start listening to David Goggins, I want to ride to like Canada. You know, on my bike. Yeah. I just want to go and just not stop. He makes you feel invincible. He's pretty good. He's pretty awesome. Yeah. What's the most embarrassing song you got on the old playlist? Got anything that? Let me think about that. Guys will make fun of you about. Probably, I'd have to think because I try not to listen to that if I'm riding. Or you can blame it on the girls. Yeah, I'm. That's a tough question. I don't know what my playlist is. Pretty big, Um, really. Yeah, let me think about that. Country, the go-to though. Country and rock, alternative, and I'm kind of a '90s grunge guy too. So some, you know, old Nirvana. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. See, I even you know kind of incorporate the newer Seether and you know some of those guys, but a little little dark sometimes. But yeah, yeah. Listen, Seether's one of the best concerts I've ever been to. They're great. Seether open. I'm going to admit this. It was uh, Three Days Grace. Seether and Nickelback oh, in wow, Tulsa yeah, to be yeah, okay. Yeah, one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I like unbelievable Shine, good Shine Down. I like them. They're on there. So, you know, I mean, I got a wide variety of music. I'll tell you, I listen to. I like oldies. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I I like Otis Redding. I like. I'm telling you, I got so a good. wide, just a wide variety of. Music. I grew up going to car shows. Yeah, so all the that oldies type music was like a big part of my childhood, man. Yeah. Big Three Doors Down fan. I like Three Doors Down. Three Doors Down. Yeah, I was raised by a Vietnam vet who, you know, coming home from school and, you know, you got uh, sitting by the dock of the bay or whatever, Otis Redding, you got, you know, the Temptations playing. So, yeah, and I I, I like all all types of music for the most part. Where did your dad grow up? So, he was born in Tallahanna and grew up down around Ada, down in that area, uh, Tishomingo. Okay. And then uh, went to the Army pretty young, so. Mom? My mom grew up in North Carolina. Really? Yeah. Okay. So they actually met, and of all places, on met, Instagram. So they didn't have they, they didn't, that Instagram was a little. It was a little pre-Instagram. Just past them. Yeah, okay. yeah. Just prior, but they met. Uh, I think they met in Alabama. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. He was on military orders down there doing stuff, and they crossed paths. So, yeah. Very cool. And mom lives in Houston, so very cool. Yeah. You're pretty close with your family. You know, I, uh, I I'm close with my mom. We talk. Uh, you know, I don't know once a week or so, but. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty close to my sister. My mm-hmm. sister lives outside of uh, Dallas. Okay. And so she's married with a couple of kids. And she's married to a fireman. And so he and I, we give each other our time. It's pretty fun. Gotcha. That's you know, fun. I'll wake up and I'll have a text from him that's like, hey, man, I was just wondering, you know, how many donuts did you eat today? <laughs> and so I'm like, man, I didn't eat any, but, you know, I was wondering how many guys did you sleep with last night at the firehouse? <laughs> and so we just kind of go back and forth and, you know. That's fun. I love it, man. It's got to be fun. Life's got to be fun. It's fun. We have a good time. He's a really good guy, too. So I like him a lot. He's a Dallas firefighter. So you, you were talking about going to LA for some training and stuff like that. I spent some time with the LA Fire Department and the LAPD when we were out there a couple of years ago and and what people don't realize is the enormity of the space out there and how many people like i mean you think about it like they've got so much coverage there's insane we went down skid row one day Mm. with the fire unit one of the most intimidating things i've ever done that involved just other human beings yeah it was it was crazy and, and those guys live it every day. They do. And so when I went out there, I went to a gang homicide school that I went to mm. put on by L.A. County. And so we would go to the class during the day and at night. We had to go out and ride with them mm-hmm. to get field training for the gang investigation stuff. So we rode with both LAPD, L.A. County. Mm-hmm. One of the nights were like, hey, 
we have the largest jail in the United States. Do you guys want to go check it out? And we're like, well, jail's a jail, but we'll go look at it. So they're like, all right, we'll dress down casual. Well, I'm from Houston, all right? So I'm a big Astros fan. I know there's a lot of controversy, but I'm very loyal to the Astros. I'm loyal to the I'm hometown. I'm a Cardinals fan, so, so it was great having you. We'll see you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm like, man, I'm going to wear my Astros hat. So we go, and we go in the jail, and they see me. And they're like, man, we can't bring you to certain parts of the jail with that hat on. So I was like, okay. So basically, they bring us in. This is the largest jail in the United States. We go in there, and they're like, hey, we'll take you down some of these uh, pods where it's legit certified Mexican mafia guys. You can see them. You can't yeah. talk to them, but you can see them. Right. So we start walking through there, and uh, it's just insane. It's crazy. Their jail's so massive, and their jail's segregated. So when you come into L.A. County, usually at their substations, before you get processed to the main jail, which mm-hmm. is ginormous, they have uh, they have to figure out like what gang you're from, what neighborhood you're from, really? and that that's where they are going to put you because they can't put because can't gangs just throw are, them anywhere. They're so territorial there; mm-hmm. they cannot put them together. Otherwise, they'll just burn. You know, the place will just riot. So. We end up walking down these halls, and they end up bringing us to a um, like this one of the local crit pods. We go in, and the guy see my hat, and some of them were like, "Man, they weren't happy about it," and they were like, "Hey, hey, hey, why is he wearing that hat?" So then one of the inmates was like, "Hey, are y'all from the ACLU?" And we were like, "I was like, yeah." We're from the ACLU, and they're like, oh, welcome. You know, how are you? And, and they're like, man, they're treating us bad. And I'm like, oh, just tell me about it. So the guards are laughing, and these guys think I'm from the ACLU. So then they didn't care about my hat. They're like, sir, they, they, they don't feed us well. They don't do this. And I'm like, oh, okay, as we're just kind of moving through. And so I just rolled with the punches. That's funny. Like, yeah. so, That's awesome. Yeah, they thought I was there to check on the women. <laughs> just to check on Yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> hilarious. You get in. Uh, I went to a prison one time. Not. Let me rephrase that. I did a visit at a prison one time, and they walked me through the middle of like the main unit there, mm. McAllister. Mm. Um, holy crap! I realized how not tough I am. I was scared like a little girl, and not afraid to admit it. I was terrified, but I was there doing a. Um, I worked at a boys and girls club, and I was over a mentoring program, and we were just talking to some of the mm. the fathers that were in there, yeah, um, about what our program was, and it was incredible to see these big, bad, tough prisoners melt down to see somebody actually cared about their kid yeah. while they were away. Yeah. There was a, I I got into a couple of incidences where you're not going to raise my kid, no sir. Absolutely not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to give them a little positive reinforcement. And then when you explain to them like how quick you see the human side of things um, with people that have just made bad choices in life. Yeah. But we all make mistakes and we got to deal with those choices. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that because I'll tell you, you know, murders have some, if not one of the lowest recidivism rates of any criminal mm-hmm. element out there. And so uh, sitting there and I've interviewed many killers and the one thing that touches that home that that just that humble button mm-hmm. is their kids yeah and the thought of them going to the penitentiary for life or for 20 30 years whatever uh the fact of them not being able to hug and see their kids again it's, yeah. it's tough yeah what's uh is, is it is it jason jason white yeah i know jason what's he like in real do, do you know him well yeah yeah i know jason we uh our desk just strikes me as a, a hilarious guy he's a funny guy yeah okay. yeah he's funny he's um he's just funny he's just okay. yeah he's just kind of a funny guy he strikes me as a, like a character from the office when when the cameras aren't around yeah mm-hmm. he's funny he cracks me up because he'll uh he's like a bargain shopper and he's proud of it <laughs> 
So he got a bunch of coupons in his wallet. Yeah. So he'll like come in there with like some just ridiculous looking pants, and he's like, "Look at these." And I'm like, "Man, they look terrible." I'm just gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, "Where did you get these?" Like four dollars. And I'm like, "Yeah, that's okay. why." Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> there you go. Like, but but he's so proud of him. So he's like swishing around. He's walking around those pants, and you can't tell him anything. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, you're not leaving Oklahoma anytime soon. Not anytime soon. I think once I'm done here working, working. I don't know if I'll go back home to Texas. Okay. Uh, I've thought about a few other places, Florida, Colorado. I don't know. But uh, I'll be here for a little while. And I say Colorado just because I, I like northern yeah. Colorado. Go go vacation in Colorado and then, then decide. Yeah. No, and I, and I go there. I usually go yeah. up to near Boulder. Oh, okay. Uh, and the only reason I ask is, man, I don't want to leave. I don't want to lose good people. I, I like having good people around. Yeah, yeah I appreciate that. No, I... It's Tulsa's been great to me. It really has, and I I'm not leaving anytime soon. Good. Good. So, well, happy National Police Week. Well, thank you. Make sure you uh, tell everybody that you come in contact with. There's a whole bunch of people up in the middle of nowhere, Northeast Oklahoma, that appreciate everything they do. Yes. Well, and we appreciate that. And we appreciate you know good folks like you because at the end of the day, one of the things I wanted to touch on real quick was that we don't get to come into contact with you know right. most of. The people in society, we deal with that small percentage of repeat offenders or repeat issues, and so uh, sometimes you it's quick to forget how many good people are out there and how appreciative they are. But the reality is, we don't we don't deal with uh, all the good people on a daily mm-hmm. basis. So. Well, the thing is, and it goes back to what we talked about earlier. For all the negative that is all over the news and the airwaves, I truly believe in my heart of hearts there is a hundred times more positive than there is all all of the negativity. Like I, I truly believe there are way more people that are super positive and super in support of everyone that wears a uniform. Um and so we we just have to block out some of the negativity and and man I hope you I hope you and I know I've got a lot of friends that are in law enforcement that listen to this podcast. I hope you guys know just how appreciative we all are of what you do even you yes yeah and like i said we appreciate that we really do because it's nice you go out sometimes and people come up to you and shake your hand and thank you and it's good you know it's it's refreshing because you're like yeah you know sometimes you just get so focused in on that that small number so it's a good reminder and you know and i got friends but a lot of my friends are not in law enforcement and so it's funny because they'll reach out and say hey what are your thoughts on this video or this Mm -hmm. viral incident and Sometimes I'll tell them like that that officer was wrong. Right, I, I believe like I don't if they're I know humans. They're, they're humans. They made mistakes, um, but so are teachers. There's teachers out there, and I'm not pointing the finger, but there's doctors. I can't tell you how many clergy I've investigated personally. Yeah, so I'm just saying, I, not to throw shade, but there are people and every occupation who sometimes make bad or poor decisions, mm-hmm. or perhaps are in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And you're not going to change that overnight. You have to remember that everybody that feels a, a profession is a human. And you hope that the majority of those seats are filled by good, honest, hardworking, you know, heartfelt human beings. But you also got to look at statistics and know that some bad ones are going to creep into everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's bad preachers, there's bad teachers, there's bad everything. Sure. There's bad humans. And the, but there's so much more good out there. So yes. much. And they just don't get the spotlight. There's right. so many good cops, there's so many good you preachers. Look for it, man. Yeah. You have to get yourself in a mindset of I'm not going to let the negativity blind my vision today. And, and sometimes it's hard. We talk mm-hmm. about this literally every episode. There's so much good in the world. You just have to look a little harder for it, but it's totally worth it. It's completely worth moving that negative to the side and trying to find a reason to smile. I I say this, people that have listened to every one of these podcasts, probably so sick of hearing this, but 
my goal every morning is to open my eyes and find a reason to smile before my feet ever hit the floor. Because if that happens, the day's a success. Yeah. And for some of us, it's just the fact that our eyes opened up and we woke up. Right. That's a victory. So be happy about it. Smile. No matter how shitty your day was the day before, you woke up today, be positive and try to build on that positivity the rest of the day. Yeah. You're looking at me like like I need to be reminded of that a lot. Uh, I get grumpy like everybody else. but I, No, I'm with you. But, but you try hard. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. That's right, man. That's right. It's not. Anything else before we close shop? If you, uh, I know you have listeners, so if anyone's interested, Mm -hmm. you know, in this profession, uh, if they're interested in perhaps even going to Tulsa and doing a ride along, reach out to me. Seriously, I can hook that up. I can line something up. If they were interested in just sitting down and learning more about the profession, they're interested in getting it. If you got some young listeners, um, you can find me on Instagram. Okay. It's a Chase Calhoun for the number four. Uh, Shoot me a DM if you're interested. I get a lot of messages from college students. High schoolers are yeah. interested, and I love conversing with them because that's awesome. Yeah, just you, helping them out. You got to be a, a, an example. Yeah, you know, and we need it. We need more. We need more of everything. Like, yeah, and if you're interested in law enforcement, I would highly suggest doing multiple ride-alongs just to really see what it's like. Because we've had people get hired on and then work a shift and be like, "Yeah, I had no idea it was like this. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore." Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, so yeah. Yeah, it's not always right car along. pursuits no. and, and crazy calls. Some nights are boring and yeah. paperwork, and that's just part of the game. But yeah, yeah, yeah tr- and do it with different agencies. You mm-hmm. know, if you're interested in Tulsa, go to Oklahoma City, go to wherever Kansas City. Just see, uh, just kind of figure out what you want to do. Yeah, Chase Calhoun four. That's it on Instagram. Yeah. You you got a new one. I do at Mrs. Dot Dot Megan Dot West. Okay, <laughs> I got rid of the of underscores and went with dots. Yeah. Uh, I'm still boring old at Matt L West. Um, appreciate you guys listening. Dude, thanks for taking the time to come up here. Yes, thanks for thank having you. me. Appreciate, appreciate it, man, it. very much. Uh, we'll do it again? Yeah, absolutely. Deal? Okay. All right. Thanks, bud.